0: And I had somebody tell me, not too long after I moved here, uh, you can't make a living playing music in this town. And I just thought, man, there's some really nice houses over in Williamson County that are, that are, that are built out of music. Uh, don't tell me that, because people are doing it. And they're doing it in a 100 different ways, and there is no formula. There is no formula for the success. You can, you can do it a variety of ways, but it, is, it happens here. This is where it's at. This is where the rubber meets the road, so to speak.
1: Hello, everybody. That was James Key, uh, who is a singer and musician and the co-host of Bluegrass Wednesdays at the American Legion post-82. We talked with him and his Bluegrass Wednesdays co-conspirator, Evan Windsor, who you'll hear more from later on. Uh, They talk Bluegrass, the increasingly famous American Legion post-82 over in East Nashville, and their inclusion of a Pride event this month that will, unfortunately, have happened after this episode airs. But hey, uh, Bluegrass, American Legions, and Pride, it's most definitely an interesting conversation, and it feels very, very Nashville, uh, if you don't mind my saying. I'm also thrilled to let you know that you'll hear from Eleanor Buckland or Ellie Buckland, uh, known to her friends, of the amazing band Lula Wiles. I'm sure you've heard of Lula Wiles by now. They have taken America by storm. She'll talk with you about her decision to move from Boston to Nashville and about all the different things that means for her, her career and her sanity as a professional musician. This is Nashville Demystified, I am Alex Steed. Every week I talk with a relatively new Nashvillian about something I'd like to understand further, and then I talk with someone who's been here for longer and is presumably an expert in the area. This week, uh, everybody's new more or less, although James and Evan come talking about Bluegrass and the Legion, both of which have been around for about 75 years. Ellie moved here under a month ago and is so sporadically in town, I had to interview her by phone, and I need to preemptively apologize for the quality of the recording of our conversation, but it is worth listening to, I promise. Nashville Demystified is brought to you by Knack Factory and We Own This Town. Knack Factory is a commercial video and content production firm in Nashville. We Own This Town is a collective of podcasters uh, based in Nashville. One show you might enjoy is one called We Own This Town. Uh, it's hosted by Michael Eads, who runs the network and the podcast and serves uh, as a primer for all of the amazing music that is not country coming out of Nashville. Michael also helped, I should say, produce this episode of today's show. I have known Ellie Buckland, I believe, since right around when her band Lula Wild started. I used to run into her at festivals in Maine. Uh, we became friendly since... Uh, She's a songwriter, a singer, and a fiddler. Uh, The Lula's album, What Will We Do, is out on Smithsonian Folkways recordings. It came out at the start of this year. It is phenomenal. And the band's been touring nonstop since last fall. I wanted to talk with her specifically because she is starting to live a life that looks a lot like the lives of many Nashvillians I know, Uh, particularly musicians, where home is almost more of an imagined construct than a reality because so much time is spent away. Because she was teaching at a camp in Maine, having just left teaching a camp in New Hampshire, having just taken a break from a tour before going back on tour, we had to improvise a bit and the audio is absolutely listenable but not wholly ideal. Please bear with us. What Ellie shares here makes it all worthwhile. Here's Ellie. Yeah, with it like being on the road is is a really weird thing, you know, and like I still feel
2: like I'm brand new to it because I've really only, we've only been touring. Glue Lab has only been touring full time for one year, like, and before that it was really sporadic. Um, but yeah, like for the next, you know, five months, we spend like two to three weeks each month on tour, and that's like, that's kind of crazy. I don't think it's, a, I don't think it's sustainable. But we're we're figuring it out with our, we're figuring it out, but. It means that like, yeah, how long is it going to take? And this idea of like forcing it, right? How long is it going to take for me to like match home?
1: Increasingly, like listening to, listening to you talk and listening to a, a lot of people that both you and I know talk, it strikes me more than it's ever struck me before that I think musicians probably think about what home means more than anybody else.
2: Oh, that's so Interesting i mean i definitely think about it a lot right now especially since i was like trying to decide if i wanted to move and where i wanted to move but i think that's true because i think sort of the average person maybe has a job yeah like a person at least a person who has a job where they don't travel a lot right home i think becomes um maybe flips into the background right and maybe people think about oh how do I want my life to be but the, their home is just always at home right and there isn't as much of this thing of like going away and then like oh my god I can't wait to get home this is something that is like really deeply been on my mind because that was a big part of like why I decided to move to Nashville so I had I visited so many times and when we were on the road, right? And we would often, it would always end up like we had an extra day off in Nashville. We would sometimes plan for that because we have so many friends, here; so it's, like, so fun. Um, and so I liked it a lot. And when I, we would go to town, like, go to Nashville, everyone would be like, oh, let's go to the lake. Like, oh, let's have a barbecue tonight right. and just, like, chill out. And there was something really lovely about that like when I imagined a life home from the road it's like a much slower thing I think than Boston and it's more you know I know it's a city but it is more in kind of like nature like you have access to nature in a way that I feel like I it's hard in Boston and I grew up in rural Maine and so I like really in a lot of ways feel like um a lot of, like, country gal like, at heart, you know, and, and like, um, but I think Nashville has this cool thing of, like, you have all these things about the city, you know, that that you, have, that you have access to in being in a city, right, but then you also, like, there are, like, you can get to nature pretty quickly, but, yeah, like, in terms of, like, what does it, I ask myself this a lot, you know, I, was, I really explored, like, what do I want my life to be when I get home? What do I want my home life to be? And I started feeling like Boston just like was not cutting it and was not what I wanted. Yeah. Um, Nashville had an energy that I was like, I want to be here, like this is great.
1: Because it is this very high concentration of uh, of people who have this this you know, tenuous and aspirational idea of what home is because they spend so much time away from it, that when they, that when, when everyone comes together, then this is, this is exclusively observational because I'm not, I'm not a musician, but it's something that I'm, I'm getting more of a sense of that when everybody comes together, the, the willingness to sort of get together and make the most of uh, you know make the most sort of like fertile use of that home time is much higher than it is in places where you know there's only like a handful of musicians or the musicians that sort of like hang out together are you know uh, are a clique that see each other all the time and there's not sort of like cross genre pollination like it seems like even just the idea of like of any time I've been in a room here where there's where there's more than one musician, the, 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 the the genre diversity across the room is really interesting. People's, people's just being psyched to like sit down and not be, you know, as you said, not be, um, under the scrutinized eye of performance is, is high and people's interest in doing stuff that they're not doing on the road, which is often, you know, on the road, what it's, it's every day is sort of probably by way of your output, like 95%, the same as the day before, just like like there's so many. There's so many factors that are making you want to, you know, make the most of like the geography and scene and 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 uh, uh, you know, sort of like social social element that's here.
2: I think that's totally true. I think, and I have so many thoughts about this observation of yours. But but you know, first and foremost, I think you're totally on it. And I hadn't thought about that, right? But like, but I do think that the high percentage of so many musicians at any given party in Nashville. And in Boston I pretty much only hung out with musicians, which was sort of like something that also exhausted me. Right. Yes. And then I was like, L O L why don't I move to Nashville? But <laughs> right? like, that's not gonna get better. Right. But um I lost my train of thought. But um know that that right, there's like so many musicians in one place, and so a lot of us are touring, and so a lot of us have this same feeling of like, oh, when I get home, I just want to be like wicked domestic and like maybe play tunes around a campfire, but like chill the fuck out and like not be like you know like speeding around all the time because the, the life that like haha the life on the road you know is. <laughs> really fast paced and it's like exhausting you're always in a new place but yeah you're right it's the same and so I think there is this thing of like oh when I get home I will like see my friends like bring them over for dinner like you know let's go bowling you know these are things that like you know I think that that did I mean what we just what I'm describing is just kind of like anyone's potentially anyone's home life but maybe it is true that we as musicians who are touring all the time maybe we appreciate it more right and so maybe we're more like gung how to do that um, and I think even when they are like oh I'm so passionate about what I do and for me I'm like I feel so privileged to be able to like do what I love right the fact that I was like able to grow up in a place where like you know my, my dad is a musician My whole a lot of people on my dad's side are musicians right like and so I was like that was cultivated you know like when I was like, I want to play music all through high school and do arts and stuff and do dance, like, my parents were like, yeah, we'll pay for that, you know? And then when they, were, I was like, I want to go to Berkeley, they were like, great, you know, super cool. I didn't have to, like, fight back against my familiar situation and I didn't have to fight out of, like, poverty to do something in the arts, right? So I want to, like, recognize that privilege. But, like, the fact that I get to do this, like, thing that I love so much for a job... I'm really lucky and I'm really privileged to have that, right? But also, it can be really, it can be, like, shitty, you know? It can be exhausting and you can be like, right, all I do is music and I don't like that, right? And that is, which I think ties into what you're saying of, like, this, we can all be in a room and, like, not schmooze and not talk about all the music, you know, and talk about, like, other things, you know, and other interests and passions and, that was something that that is something I think I'm thinking about a lot right now I need to I need to be doing other things like I need to be doing more with my brain like I need to be I felt really I felt like so so super saturated by music and I was just like I only spend time with musicians and all we talk about is music and songs and like or like booking agents or like how do we do blah, 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 and, like, just all this, like, business stuff, right? And, and I was like, I need to, I want to be exercising, like, my other interests. So my move to Nashville is a signifying event of like, okay, I'm moving into a new space, a new time of life. And the fact that I'm I moved means that I get to cultivate that, right? Like I get to set up my life in a way that I want it, in a way in maybe a way that like doing it in Boston was like kind of hard to re um, rewire, right? But this time around it's like, okay, well, when I go out and meet people, like how can I go out and meet people? right? And maybe I do this sort of, like, hilarious thing of, like, oh, I'll do, like, a running group right. meet up, right? Or, like, maybe I go, like, take a pottery class, right? And, like, meet people that way. Like, trivia. you know, there are all these, like, sort of, I think people think of them as kind of, like, hokey and cliche, and I'm like, fuck yeah, I'll do that. Like, I just want to meet some cool gals who, like, don't like play like, music, they're like make podcasts, but, like on writers,
1: you know and, Ellie, they're only and, hokey and cliche until you're thirty and there's no other way to make friends.
2: <laughs> oh, okay, cool. I'm <laughs> I bet you think years. Right? But I'll just like get on it now.
1: Thanks again, Ellie. Uh, Again, Ellie Eleanor Buckland, you can find her on the internet. (laughs) You can find the Lulu's record everywhere where records are. Pick it up, check her out. She's a wonderful human being. Next, I talk with James Key. Uh, who is a singer and multi-instrumentalist, and Evan Windsor. Evan is a bassist. And together, uh, Evan and James run Bluegrass Wednesday at the American Legion post-82, right on Gallatin in East Nashville. At Bluegrass Wednesday, you can see a handful of bands perform on a stage while in the back by the bar Uh, A number of local bluegrass musicians of all calibers, flavors and affiliations, come together for an epic night long jam. I've been a couple of times, it's a lot of fun. And as I've mentioned here, the Legion is the most affordable full service bar in probably all of Nashville. No $17 cocktails here in addition to all this we talk bluegrass uh the history of the so-called music city and this may surprise some Uh, we talk about a collaboration uh bluegrass wednesday will be having with an organization called bluegrass pride it's a fascinating conversation i hope you will enjoy it but first Please subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. Consider giving a review if you can and sharing with a friend. We're on Instagram and Twitter, uh, Nashville Demystified. I think on Twitter it's NDemystified. And we're on the Adam Sandler's Bottomless Netflix film contract. That is Facebook. If you have any feedback and you want to send it to me directly or ideas for future shows or whatever, podcast at knack-factory.com. That's podcast at knack-factory.com. That's where you can find me. Thank you. Let's uh, listen to what these guys have to say.
0: Well, I am James Key, and this is Evan Windsor, and we're the hosts of Bluegrass Wednesday Nights.
1: Yep. Yeah. what I mean, what is Bluegrass Wednesday Nights?
0: so this is an event we started at the end of november of last Mm -hmm. year and it's at the american legion post 82 east nashville that's right and uh the american legion post 82 it might seem like an unlikely uh, music venue but there's a ton of great music there almost every night of the week and uh evan had this idea they've been doing a jam that i guess was derived from another jam at another place at the five spot yeah, and I hear all these stories from Nashville natives, how it had came from, you know, some other place before that, and how it used to be really good and all these things, and it had changed to this and that. And uh, So they'd been having this jam on Wednesdays, and I think it was, it was, it was kind of hit or miss. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so Evan had this idea to do music in the back room, because the Legion's a really, really large facility. Yep. The jam is up front. And uh, so we started in late November. I think we had uh, uh, three bands the first night, and sometimes we have two. But we're 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 tr- we're basically from here on out. I think we're t- going to try to be scheduling yeah, three bands for, sure. uh, for each week, and it starts around eight and runs till maybe around eleven or midnight, mm-hmm. depending yeah. on what all we have. And um, it's local, regional acts. Uh, sometimes people traveling through, um, but it's a, a really talented music scene that we're that we're that we're part of, and um, <clears throat> so you just never know who's going to be there. And I think that's kind of what's exciting about it—all the different guests that we can get up that we don't even know who's going to be there each week.
1: Yeah. yeah. What and what? Why? Why were you inspired to to put together a night like this? Well, I had just moved
3: to town last year from California, and I kind of came here expecting there to be like a central weekly hang where everybody just kind of, you know, showed up and picked tunes and hang out. And I was kind, of, you know, in all the local jams. And I went over to the Legion a few times, and you know, maybe two, three people would show up. Mm and i happened to go one night and there was maybe again two or three people there and the uh, the legion commander came up to us and said hey guys you know we're literally losing money on wednesday night we're thinking about just turning the lights off shutting the doors unless there's someone out there that can do a bluegrass night kind of modeled after honky tonk tuesday mm. so i kind of looked around the empty room and said well all right I've never heard we'll, this side we'll, of the story. We'll, we'll
0: give it a go. <laughs> it
1: sounds like a it sounds like a movie from the '70s. It's like guys, we gotta we gotta shut down the Legion on Wednesday nights unless you can get a bluegrass night. Right. You, you did it.
3: <laughs> and I mean, you know, I really wanted a central weekly hang for everybody to show up, and you know, I wanted to get the whole local scene connected, including newcomers like <clears> myself, <throat> to to meet everybody. Yeah. I think that's kind of what we've been accomplishing. Yeah, that's so what that's far. what
0: everybody likes about it the most. Even on you know the the attendance with us having this event in its infancy, the attendance is up and down, and yeah. it, it's cer- certainly been better the last few months. But even on nights where we don't have a huge crowd, the the ones that are there really wanted to, you know, they yeah. they, they, they want to be there, mm-hmm. and that that seems to be the 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 general vibe no matter what night of the week you go. I think everybody likes the Legion. There's some cool history in that building that I wasn't really aware of. Um, it was built sometime in the '50s mm-hmm. and. Um, I mean, it was really a who's who uh, of, of, of our, all of our musical heroes over the last, well, since it was built. Flatton
3: and Scruggs and Monroe.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's they, they rattled off a list of all these uh, legendary bluegrassers and several other different country artists that had played there, and it's kind of been a honky-tonk for folks like us uh, since back then. So it, it, it's it got some character uh, within the building for sure. Mm-hmm. and um, I, I think as a legion, I never really envisioned myself playing at a legion e- each week, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and and typically when you hear that term, uh, I think the one here in East Nashville Post 82 is unlike some of the other legions. Yeah, I agree. And um, it's it it they've really embraced the music, and they have a, a fairly unique opportunity because of that to to really connect with the public in a way that most legions do not.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I'm it's really I mean, impressed it's with that. I feel like with in, in Nashville in particular, the the. Uh, authenticity of a place comes with um, like nicotine stained uh, wood paneling. Like, I feel like it's a really important. It is. <laughs> it, it, it is. And, uh, and we, we should add that it
0: is a smoke-free venue today. Yes. It's still got the smoke eater fans, <laughs> and the smoke yes. eater devices and all that. that are.
1: I've heard younger people there be like, like point to those smoke eater fans and not know what they are and I'm like, oh. <laughs> I remember. Yeah. It comes I, from a different time. I remember
0: that and at one point in my life it didn't bother me and uh, if, if, you, if you stay away from cigarettes smoke for a long time, it's hard to go back into it. Yeah, so, absolutely is. so I'm I'm glad to announce that we don't we don't have that issue at the Legion. And there's a great bar, full bar, they've got they got liquor and beer. Mm-hmm. Great bar staff. Um and they'll stay open late as we want to, you know, yeah. sometimes midnight or a little after. Um, it, it just kind of depends who all's there, but yeah. the, the legion's been very supportive of what we've been doing, and we we certainly appreciate them.
1: What's the significance of having like a when, so when when you came out and mm-hmm. you were like, this thing is missing, right? Like what's the significance of having a place where people can can meet up like that? like wh- I think what what kind
3: out of, of actually rooted in the, the culture of bluegrass? I mean, I kind of got into bluegrass, you know, i I heard. You know, Tony Rice and Ricky but really what drew drew me into was going to bluegrass festivals and just staying up until 5 o'clock in the morning, picking with your friends. And there's a really, there's a great sense of community that ties bluegrass together that I've not found in any other genre of music. I think it might be unique to bluegrass, the really community aspect of it.
0: Yeah, there's Um, still some of these larger bluegrass festivals. I I would feel comfortable leaving like a nice guitar just out in the open for you know the whole weekend, and nobody will touch it. Nothing would happen to it.
3: Yeah,
1: yeah, and I mean, I think you're right about the community piece. Like it's a, um, it seems pretty fundamental. I can't think of many other places where there's the stage, and then there are musicians where where people sort of informally doing their own thing is as big a part of the show.
3: Absolutely, for sure. Yeah. So I think it's just kind of ingrained in the music. And wherever you go, you know you always want to have those two things. You want to have the music plus the community aspect. Um, and when I moved here, I just it was a little difficult for me at first to kind of network and meet folks. So I figured, well, what the hell? Gonna...
0: <laughs> yeah, and same story for me too, me being a singer, and it's it's a little more difficult if you want to sing lead to to get a gig that's right. not your own gig. there's not there's not as many people that are going to hire you. i I've done a lot of sideman work, and I, I still do. But when i moved here I, I really wanted to sing and i wanted to have an outlet for that and the legion was was perfect in it so it just it really worked out yeah yep. what
1: what what has happened since you since you started up i mean obviously people are people are coming but what are there's are there any sort of um, like standout nights for you, or 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 you know, what's the vibe? Just ex- explain it a bit for people who haven't been there. Well, certainly
0: what what has been surprising to me, I guess they just don't think about this kind of stuff. But the the event is bigger on the internet than it is in real life.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so each... we're happy to contribute to that. Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> but each,
0: each week uh, it seems like I see video or clips or something, you know, that some highlight of the event that gets shared, and it'll have thousands and thousands yeah. of, of of, of internet views when uh you know there might have been like 35 people in right. the room Yeah, exactly. right. um so there's been i mean there's several standout nights um, mm-hmm. but really just any of them could be a standout night because yeah. we, we never know who's going to be out in the crowd and at the end of the show we're the the uh, post 82 bluegrass house band and so we always encourage anybody that wants any of our friends to get up there and sing a tune and you never know who's, who that's going to be. Yeah. It, it it could be any of our uh, musical heroes that that might stumble in, and um, so I I'm I'm anxious to see what will happen over the next year as we continue to gain a little bit of you know, momentum Attraction, and yeah. more more people understand about this event and what we're doing. Um, I'd love to get some more
1: big names in there. Yeah. So so, so you came in from Chattanooga, you mm-hmm. said. Yeah. Are you originally from California?
3: No, I'm not from originally California, but I've been living in Los Angeles for about. I don't know, eight or nine years-ish.
1: Yeah. What well, ended up here? I mean,
3: I had wanted to move to Nashville for a long time, but I had a lot of work out in California. It's, it's hard to leave work. Hmm. You know, I was basically working, playing bluegrass as much as I wanted to. Um, I just wasn't feeling quite inspired out in California anymore. And, you know, all the greatest players live out in Nashville. And I wanted to come out here and challenge myself so I could, you know, rise to the occasion and just be the best version of myself as possible. Yeah. Um so I guess that's why I wanted to move here in the first place. Yeah, right. really, really just for inspiration.
1: And for you?
0: Well, same. I spent uh, I've always played music and I've done done as much of it as I could, but I I spent most of my career working in the landscaping business and once I uh got closer to 30 i started looking at guys that had been in the landscaping business for 20 and 30 years <laughs> hunched over you
1: know <laughs> and i started
0: going man i don't know that i uh, that i want to look like that and yeah it, it wasn't that, that i hated it but i realized i needed to i needed to find something else to do um so i i had a family here in town and it just kind of made sense so mom's side of the family grew up here and there was some uh I just felt like there was there there would be no shortage of opportunity for me, and I've okay. I've, I've been right. So.
1: Yeah. When you what's your what's your pitch to people who are not living in mm-hmm. Nashville that maybe they should you know I mean it's not like Nashville needs more people but <laughs> my, my <laughs> exactly my, my, my pitch <laughs> it's not good to be here
3: <laughs> I, I,
0: I don't mind seeing the influx I mean my my pitch. Um, and this is nothing against Texas or, or California or any, anywhere where you're from where there's where there's awesome music scenes, everybody moved from wherever they came from to here to get famous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you can go down the list of all of our favorite Texas singers, and they all came here to get their career started.
1: Right. The, I mean, that's like, that's... Uh, what I've heard about... And I'm not a musician, so mm-hmm. like, but I've, you know, spent a lot of time with musicians, but what I've heard is that the... That especially with like between like Austin and Nashville and not that these have to be sort of competitive arenas But with like with Austin. It's a it's a great place to play. It's got a great scene It's got a lot of people who Mm -hmm. come to it, but it's not necessarily a place to be in the middle of sort of like Not competition but to like push yourself further, right? Right. And that it seems like here There's very much a culture of of of, uh, camaraderie and community, but also to push yes, absolutely yeah. Austin
0: probably was at some point a little bit more yeah. so um, what you're talking about, but they're now the ninth or tenth you know largest city in the U.S. They, yeah. I didn't realize just how much they have grown over the last few years till I went back about uh, three or four months ago. And it, it's, it's still got some character. It's still a neat town, but even looking at it from a business standpoint, um, there's not any, you know, and not that it matters for what we do, but... Yeah. There's no major record labels really that are headquartered down there. There's not a huge percentage of the population that's making their living off of, off of playing music. Right. And uh, having, having institutions like the Opry, the longest running radio show and so forth that mm-hmm. was so highly revered right here in Nashville is, is something that's not gonna change anytime soon. Even if this city does get as big as Austin, or mm-hmm. I think we're like number 25 yeah, or right. something, we've got a long way to go. Which is good, as far yeah. as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. I'm I'm okay with it being a smaller city. We don't have all those big city woes just yet, but I think it'll always remain. You know, growing up for me, it was it was always country music, City USA, but it's just Music City USA yeah. today. Yeah. Right. There's there's all different types of music here.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, for for, for <clears throat> what does in in your respective mm-hmm. like genre and craft like what does community mean to all of that like why is that why is it significant that you are able to see people week to week doing interesting stuff and you, we were talking earlier uh, uh, about um just you having like a going to like a magical show where It was like you and 15 people mm-hmm. you know like what does what does that mean to to you guys as musicians well and
0: i i guess it's part of my story of coming here that i had forgot to mention until just now but uh, I had always looked at playing the Opry as like a bucket list item and I thought, well once I do that I'll be I'll be satisfied and I got a random opportunity about three years ago to go fill in just kind of a side man on the Opry for uh, this group called Daly and Vincent and um, I did it also with two other side men that were filling in called Stuart Duncan and uh, Terry Bauckham. <laughs> not bad. <laughs> yeah, it was not bad. Not bad for side man to do it. It was uh, it was a very odd, very surreal experience <laughs> for me because it happened fast. I only had a few days notice and uh, it it uh, you know whenever you do it you'll, you'll you'll always remember that first time more than anything and as soon as I walked off the stage I, I thought I would be satiated or whatever with this experience this bucket list item that I had crossed off at age 27 mm. and I wasn't. as soon as I walked off the stage I said, oh, I've got to do this again yeah. There's, there's, there's like no way I could, you know, continue living my life and, <laughs> and at least not try, mm-hmm. my damnedest to get back there, because uh, you know, for me, like you you're talking about community, my whole family was there, and it, the Opry was a really important institution in my family. I got, I got into music because of my family, and so for, 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 for so, mu- so much of my family to be there, it, it was, it was the coolest, one of the coolest nights of my life. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's like if you're like in the Catholic Church, you go to the Vatican, right? right. Yes. yeah, yes. Exactly. That's yeah, a great exactly. example. Yeah. And yeah. you, and you, um, can you just explain who Stuart and Terry are for people who might not know?
0: So, um, Daily Invention is, is a high powered band. They, they, they can do all different kinds of things and mm-hmm. they've, they've got a big band. They're like they Bob Wills and the Texas <laughs> Playboys, man. They've got a big band and, um, uh, and so they they can call on just about whoever they want. They're they're super pro guys, super good to work with, and um, they just kind of had a, this one off weekend, so they needed somebody to fill in, and they got this guy named Stuart Duncan, who yeah. you mentioned there. And when I was growing up, Stuart was just on everybody's records. <laughs> um, you know, when I was really getting into music, Mark O'Connor I think was mm-hmm. probably getting out of the the, yeah. the studio scene, yeah. and, and and Stuart was taking all kind of work, man. And I was probably most heavily exposed to him it maybe through his his you know big work with Alan Jackson mm. George Strait, and guys like that he he's, he was on all their albums for years and years it still is anything yeah. that they do they they, they, they always call him um, and he's just this phenomenal fiddle player and just great musician who's just so musical in, in what he does and he's so unpredictable you can hear him and I've heard him thousands of times and heard thousands of different recordings he's on and it's always different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, so, for me to grow up listening to him and ha- and having so much respect for him, and then stand there grinning like an idiot next to him on the <laughs> Opry, while while he just totally you know played awesome and did did you know did something totally different than he, than we expected him to do, like always. Yeah, um, he's just he's just one of those fiddle players that just has a great voice. In, in terms of, of, of what he plays and the ability to relate to people. And that's why he's gotten so you much You know work. it's him right away. Yeah, yeah as he's as got such a killer it. tone. Yeah. It's very, very unique. And then Terry Bauckham was playing banjo, and I'd also grew up listening to him. And um, so I never really had met those guys prior to that. So it, it, um, it was a little uncomfortable, I feel like. It put a little bit of pressure on me, but... Um, it was getting 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 to play with those guys. I just thought, well, man, you know, th- this this could happen again here, at, mm-hmm. and or something like it. it Wouldn't have to be those two guys.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like right down to the the the. So I started this podcast because I was just curious about the town, right. right. you know. And I and within, you know, within a week, I'm talking to you know to John Harford's daughter, and I'm talking mm-hmm. to to Matt Combs who played at the played at yeah, yeah. in yeah. opera and right. the and. The prox. What's so interesting here is my, my decision yeah. to move was to move to L.A. Right. Okay. And then through a series of, you know, circumstances last year, it mm-hmm. ended up I ended up pivoting to come to Nashville. Right. Like, uh, every day, I'm yeah. like, thank God, I moved yes. to Nashville, because yeah. your proximity to people and their access if you're cool right and when i say cool right. i mean you're not trying to like get something yes, exactly from them. you know yes. you're just interested is and la doesn't
3: la doesn't have it everyone there is so guarded because there's oh, so many people it's so hard to cool. have access <laughs> it's so hard to get access to those sure. folks and eventually you know you live there you do right but it takes a very very long time and here i mean you can call up anyone say hey you know, I just moved to town can kind I of bring you the coffee and I was like cool let's go well
0: especially with with the bluegrass community I yeah. guess we're we're continuing to touch on what's so important about it and the longer I've been here I I've, I've been exposed to all different music city people all walks of life and what I found most interesting is music has all these ancillary benefits that come with it, it could be money glory women <laughs> et cetera men whatever whatever you're into yeah um, and you find out pretty quick who really is in it for the music. Yeah, mm. it's cool. All that other stuff, I'm not knocking it. Yeah. you know, it that that that's all you know, fine benefits. But really, you find out quickly who's in it for the music. Mm. And those are the people that are in bluegrass. Yeah, you know, absolutely. They're 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 really in it for the you know their contribution
1: to the music. Yeah, yeah. I didn't I didn't realize any of that until I, I, actually until I became fam- more familiar with the bluegrass mm. scene. Is yeah, I, I said earlier, I'm from Portland, Maine. Yeah. And there are musicians in Portland, Maine. And by note this will be controversial to whoever's listening from Portland, Maine. But I didn't realize (laughs) that there is a difference between a musician and a musician. Right. You know. Mm. And then when I started to meet people um who were fully committed to exactly mm-hmm. as you say, who are who are singularly focused yes. on music and everything else that comes with it is fantastic. Yeah. But if those if those are not the goals, right. the music yeah. is the goal. I was like, oh, this is a way different situation yeah. than what I <laughs> what I ran into it before. Yeah.
0: And and I've dealt with less ego and less arrogance in this huge music scene than in other small towns and and you know, l- little bitty music yeah. scenes. Yeah. Um just because every time you turn around there's somebody better than you yes. at whatever the yeah. hell you do yeah singing and playing and, um there's just there's so much talent in this area that it would seem silly it's very humbling yes. just 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 to yeah, just absolutely. to go out every day and listen to all the, the great pickers around and there's great camaraderie people are are, are generally interested in in helping one another out and some of your best allies are other musicians because they'll have a gig that they can't make they'll yeah. they'll, they'll have more than they can get yeah. at some point or something they're not interested in or something that fits you better or whatever <laughs> so the the more of these kind of people you can meet the better for your own career it's not we we do compete for work against one another but it's uh it, it it's not a uh, it it's not nearly as as cutthroat as other businesses that I've been involved in for sure
1: yeah yeah what I mean, what what are you hoping for for the the Legion night for the for the Bluegrass night of the Legion? Like, what are we would
0: like it to be like Honky Tonk Tuesday? To be honest, uh, <laughs> yeah. gotta know, gotta I, get Vince to come uh, down. My <laughs> my hat is off to those guys. I have so much respect for what they've done, and they've yeah. been at it for about four years. job they've 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 found they they found something that that has a great vibe that that, that community embraces and. And there's people that continually write about it. It they, they've been they've had several articles published because it's so mystifying yeah. to see, you know, for these these somebody that doesn't come to the Legion every week. It's mystifying for them to see some young gal with hairy armpits dancing yeah. with an old guy.
1: Or my favorite when I the fir- my first night there, and that's such a good description. My favorite was like four H fourteen year olds yeah. dancing yes. with like 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 smoking punk hipsters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like and yeah. I was like. Yeah. What? Did that yeah, yeah. it's kind of a classic of the world, <laughs> right? Totally.
0: Um, but that's totally okay, yeah. and uh, and and that's why the event has, yeah. has has been has become so successful. And it, it's again, it's filled with those people that are that are in it for the music. Mm-hmm. And I think Vince Gill is clearly one of those people, <laughs> and so so is everybody that was in his band last yeah. month. Yeah. and For those that are listening that may not be aware, Vince Gill did appear at the American Legion Post 82 last month, Harris. which is in May. and yeah. And Emmy Lou Harris, Paul Franklin, Rodney oh, Crow had an awesome band. Rodney Crow is actually Rodney's it was, band. It was his band. Yep. Had Jay Weaver playing bass, Amy McLaughlin playing fiddle.
1: Someone uh, who knew Rodney Crowell had texted me that it was gonna happen and I just did and I was an idiot. I just yeah. didn't believe I was like, yeah. I don't believe you. Well and, 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 and it was show. But but you got I mean I but you guys have have something that's so, so fascinating in that it's like participatory in a way that way in a way that, and I'm not, it's not like we're here comparing or contrasting <laughs> these things, but you have this thing that's fascinating for me as someone who's not a musician, mm-hmm. but who has been to, who has been to the bluegrass night a couple of times is um you can, you can show up as a, as a, as a spectator oh, and yeah. sort of like sit around musicians as they're figuring stuff out in real time, which is a really fascinating oh, yeah. opportunity. And yeah. it's, it's the thing I imagined Nashville was, when I started imagining Nashville, but it, apparently it isn't always that way. You know that you can you you can come to a night and sort of be involved in that.
0: Right. Well, and that's certainly something that's um, that's true with bluegrass. I think that it appeals sometimes to maybe the older crowd because of that accessibility to the musicians. Yep. I um, first getting into bluegrass really couldn't differentiate a normal celebrity from a bluegrass celebrity. <laughs> first. And when you're a kid, they're all kind of the same right. to you. They're all your heroes. And uh, I learned that there is a stark contrast between mm. a bluegrass celebrity and maybe a, a normal, more mainstream celebrity. And <laughs> so it, w- it was neat for me to 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 have that access to musicians. Mm. I think people really rely on that in bluegrass. That yeah. You go play a bluegrass festival, most of the bands you could probably go meet them at their record table yeah. after the show, right. and, and they would they'd be happy to give you some of their time. And that is. Not prevalent in mainstream music. Mm-hmm. It is just not. You have to no. pay for access no. to those people through a meet and greet. Yes. If you're lucky, uh, a lot of them won't even do that. Um, and so I think that's what appeals, especially to older older people. It's a more relaxed setting and just everything more relaxed in general. The the volumes not so damn loud <laughs> at those festivals. <laughs> the schedule's fairly normal. Yeah. It's not not super late night um, for a lot of those. So. I, I think that uh, that is certainly an appeal of bluegrass, and we've carried that over to the Legion. I, I've had friends um, who have came from out of town, and oh, is that Molly Tuttle over there hanging yeah, out? Right. Yeah. yeah, it is. Leave yeah. her alone. Yeah, <laughs> you know, don't don't fanboy her. She's just hanging out, and uh, there's you never know who's who's going to come in over there. But I mean, I, I I joke, but they are they are very much more accessible, and, and it's nice having that kind of informal place like Evan was talking about for us to jam because our, you know, to further describe what we do each week. So we are the post 82 house band, me and Evan and everybody (laughs) else comes and goes. We're the only constant each Mm -hmm. week. I sing, I host the show. Evan plays bass. I'm usually playing mandolin, but I flex. I'll do guitar. I'll do banjo if I need to. Had had to do that. that (laughs) It was fun. It was, hadn't done that in a long time. Um, But because of that um, because of that, that, rotating cast, obviously our show's gonna be a little more loose.
1: Because
0: yeah. we've never rehearsed with all these no. people. We don't have a set list, typically. No. We just kinda do whatever we feel like doing. And uh, so that allows for plenty of time for guests or whoever else yep. is in the audience to get up there. And that's, yep. that's some of the more special moments that we have a lot of times. And, and it's been great for me as well, from somebody that's fairly new to town, and Evan, I'm sure. To meet all these pickers oh. and have an excuse to get to pick with them. Hey, you right. want to come pick with me right. next Wednesday? We're having X, Y, and Z, and uh, everybody really seems to, to enjoy that as well. It's it's uh, everybody's looking for an excuse to pick, and that's a good one. And we we've, yeah. we've met some great folks that I had never played with before yeah, and w- would not have otherwise met with without that.
1: Yeah, I think I mean I think it's also a good based on what you're saying and what you're doing, and based on sort of any of the the. Uh, any of the doors that this podcast has opened or anything Mm -hmm. I've seen people do is like, I feel like the best advice you could give to anyone who shows up to a new place is like go do stuff, which is, seems silly, but people need to be reminded, right? Yeah,
3: absolutely, for sure. I mean, you got to get out there and just, you know, meet people, Mm. you know, introduce yourself.
0: You do. And um, for me, music is a lot different than what going out is to people. Uh, Going out, you know, that that, that might mean partying and carrying and drinking on. And sometimes it's that.
3: Yeah,
0: Um, But I go out, Six or seven nights a week, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm young. I can afford to do that because I, I don't have some of the responsibilities that uh, maybe some of my uh, other friends with families and so forth have. And it, I love that I'm I'm still fairly new to town, so I, I love that freedom of being able to go explore as much music as I can. I feel like I I would regret it if later yeah. in life if I didn't.
1: Yeah. So, <laughs> so you guys, so you guys tomorrow are having. Can you just explain the event that you're having tomorrow? Because in the in the spirit of Pride Month. What's happening?
0: I guess you could call it uh, Bluegrass Wednesday's Pride Night, yeah. um, but we are having an organization that is its own nonprofit. Um, I guess it was born out of the CBA, the California yes, Bluegrass was. Association, called Bluegrass Pride, yeah. and it specifically focuses on um, on the on including anyone that's in the gay community in bluegrass.
1: Yeah. Well, and and how did that how did that come up, and how does that fit into what you guys are doing now? well we've known the
0: folks from out there um, I met I met everybody in that organization uh, last year yeah and they approached me I don't know maybe a few months ago about it and weren't exactly sure who we could get or, or what we could put together and here at the last minute well not really last minute but here over the last few weeks mm-hmm. we've we've worked with them and the, the focus I think is to is to is to make a a genre of music that has been heavily straight white male dominated mm-hmm And include those that are not straight white males because they still can can you know heavily contribute something great to our genre, and they need to be able to have Mm -hmm. a voice. And um, if uh, if some of our heroes were alive today, some of our music heroes, they would probably be heavily exposed for scandals that maybe uh, (laughs) you know maybe didn't matter as much back then. Right. Right. Um,
1: yeah, sure. I mean it's it's a it's a genre that sort of has had carved out a niche by people who are sort of outside of where they were at at the right. time. Yeah,
0: sure, and yeah. it's you know it's been male dominated big time, mm-hmm. and um, so I I think bluegrass has done a really good job at including women. If you look at our our charts, whichever one you use, there's several different bluegrass mm-hmm. charts. If you compare that to country music, we're way ahead of country.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, country is still so heavily male dom- dominated there's there's just hardly ever a woman at, at the top of the charts um, and that's a horse of a different color mm-hmm. but bluegrass is the whole bluegrass community has been working hard the last several years to include women yeah. and I, I think this kind of comes after that I, I think that with, with the inclusion of women that we, we can see that there are other groups that need to be included as well mm. and that's just kind of the way that it works uh, society Without getting too political, becomes yeah. a little bit more liberal over yeah, time. It does. Clearly, we as a society yeah. have gotten more liberal.
1: Do Do you and with this, this is uh uh you know this is the South, and we're talking about we're talking about a legion, and we're trying yep. like like how is it going to fit?
0: Well, we're we're still abiding by the legion's rule of no profanity. Yeah, mm. uh, which would apply on any other night, not mm-hmm. not just this night, but so it's um it's um. I think it'll it'll really fit together great. I, I think it'll be about like any other music night that we have with a really stacked lineup. Right. And that's the focus of it really is yeah. is is the music. It's not specifically a gay pride only organization. It's trying to include gay musicians in mm-hmm. Bluegrass. Yeah. So that uh, that focus is gonna be we're, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna try to spend as much time on that focus as we can, with with just highlighting the talent of these musicians and their musical contribution, and letting their voice be heard, because in previous periods of history that just wasn't the case.
1: Yeah, well, and I, and I said this before, but I know I know, um, you know, bluegrass and acoustic musicians who don't identify as straight or they identify as gay, they identify as queer or trans mm. or whatever, who who really appreciate anyone who's sort of honoring this effort. So right. I think that it's it's good to be able to have a space for that. Sure, absolutely. Well,
0: and it's something that me as a white male, I've been able to ignore. Um, it's been easy for me to get my voice heard and it's been yeah. easy for me to have, I feel like, uh, to follow whatever path that I wanted to. I've had opportunity that uh, that I may have taken for granted because of my position. And once I uh, once I really Paid attention to the disadvantage that other people have outside of somebody that's like me. I realized that they they deserve to have their voice be heard because what could we be missing out from some of these 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 talented folks mm. that uh, couldn't have had an openly gay music career in Bill Monroe's band? Right, right, right. That well, just that just wouldn't yeah. have worked.
3: No.
1: Yes. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm psyched for it, and obviously this episode's coming out after it happens, but we just wanted to, to talk about it considering it's Friday. I appreciate it. Yeah, it,
0: uh, it, we were happy to, to be able to work with them, and uh, it's going to be a great event. we um, going to have all, all kind of wonderful guests. Mm-hmm. We've got, um, I guess, most of the band of uh, Front Country, yep. West Corbett Band. Molly Tuttle's going to be there. The house band is me and Evan, Deanie Richardson, Chris Tristan, Wade. Tristan Scroggins. Tristan Scroggins yep. as well. So it, it would uh, it, it cost you a lot of money to get this lineup that that we're uh, that we're getting. It's kind of a Nashville exclusive. So this is a perfect example for everybody to uh, to to really showcase the talent of everybody because yeah. that's what that's what that's what it's about is just the inclusiveness. Yeah.
1: Do you guys have any uh, any any closing thoughts?
0: Well, I would say the Legion is great any night of the week. Uh, mm-hmm. I could go down the list of all the different acts that they have. Uh, we've obviously mentioned Honky Tonk Tuesday, but there's other nights yeah. of the week that have have some really great, um, events going on. Um, so the Legion would, would, would be one of my go-tos any, any night of the week. Um, if you just want to drink a cold beer or a nice liquor drink, that's Mm not $17.
1: Yeah, that's, you're right. Um, I mean, the bar is manageable and and there's
0: free parking and there's plenty Mm -hmm. of it. And, um, if it fills up, you can you can park in the in the turkey chute. Yes, you can in the back. Yep, <laughs> and uh, or you can park up. There's plenty. Of, there's there's it's much easier to park than anywhere downtown. Yeah. yeah. Um. So that's that's one of my go tos. Um. As far as other places around town. I always throw a shout out to the station in yeah, um, yeah. wearing a hat. Another,
1: another wood paneled, uh, uh historical location. And, uh, <laughs> JT gray has
0: done a great job. Oh, yeah. uh, just, just preserving that wonderful venue yeah. and, and, and keeping it original to its roots. It's got some country music in there and that's, that's pushing his envelope because yeah, right. he wants to keep it just all bluegrass yeah. and and he's really done so and it's amazing how that area has changed (sighs) and that that little hole in the wall is still hanging on and I don't even
3: recognize that area anymore
0: no and I hope I hope that the station in can stay there forever I hope they can do something to to keep it where it is because it's a very special spot and it's the same kind of venue it's got a lot of nostalgia you never know who's Mm -hmm. who's going to come in the door over there
1: yeah i have no i have no political cloak because i just moved here in february but i feel like we should issue a warning to nashville's uh political leaders and say if the stationing goes down People yeah. are probably going to be very upset. I, agree with that. I, I, I believe that's uh,
0: a pretty common consensus, yeah. and uh, I, from what I can understand, it's, it's in good hands for the time being. Good. Uh, I hope it stays that way, but that's, that's one of the venues that really drew me to town. It yeah. was uh, one of the first ones I played at in town before I ever lived here, maybe 12 or 15 years ago, mm. and um, it used to be a smoky, dim-lit bar yeah. as well, but it is smoke-free <laughs> as well, um, and yeah, so I, I would I'd highly recommend it. Um well, I mean there's, uh, there's dime ed- a dozen wonderful venues. To to. I've spent a lot of time at the local that I've been talking yeah, about here lately. Place. They have um, they have great country music yep. there. It's dedicated specifically to country, not yep. really bluegrass, mm-hmm. but yep. but it's older country, not uh not bro country. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's specifically that Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um I was there all of those days this yeah. weekend. I was playing part of it, but uh, some of the music that you'll that you'll catch there is, is um is, is worth the trip for yeah. sure.
1: Right. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much. Well, thank I really, you for having, having, us. I having appreciate us. Appreciate it. Yeah. This is a. This I feel like this is the first episode I've done in a while that like actually focuses on on the music of Nashville. So I appreciate it. Well, good. It's what great. do y'all normally talk about? It just depends on who's available. Oh, like, okay. yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> the first two episodes were about John Hartford, and then the That's next right. one was about beer, and then the next like they're all they're. Cool. It depends okay. on who's who's where yeah. and available. Well, so. I mean, we
0: have all of those things at the Legion. Yeah. So Hartford influence beer. Yeah. And a bunch of Nashville topics. Yeah, you're so. a hell
1: of a salesman. It's good. <laughs> Appreciate that. Awesome.
0: Thank you guys for having us. Thank you.
1: All right, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Nashville Demystified. Thanks to Jesse LaFontaine for all things related to sound post-production. Thanks to Michael Eads for help with producing this episode. He had some good ideas and helped me steer everything in the right direction. All the music in this episode uh, is by all sorts of different people. Uh, You can find a list on the website. Our website is NashvilleDemystified.com. Hey, each episode has a show-specific illustration provided by my longtime friend, Tim Burns. They're pretty great, so check out the site to see them. In the coming weeks, we'll have more on queer history. Uh, We will have some pieces on black history. We will have something on comedy. And at at some point, I'm going to call a close to what we will call season one and then announce a new show that I'll be taking on in the meantime. Um, Stay tuned for that you know, subscribe, follow us, do all that stuff. It really does help leave a review. A review would be great. Nashville Demystified is presented by Knack Factory and we own this town. That's it for me right now. Thanks so much to our guests. Thanks so much to you. Uh, We'll talk soon.